you for listening to this message from the North Gate. We're back here and we're building. We're building here. You know, we have till my 45th birthday to begin to begin to prepare for some things. And at that time, that'll give us two years. We'll have two years left in this facility or, or what we're doing. And the word of the Lord is that we won't rent again. And so if you know me, unless I get a like different word of the Lord, the word of the Lord up till right now, so we're not going to rent again. So Brad Custer comes in on the on the backside of that and says and asks us to put away $25,000. So in that, we're going to take up an offering on the 24th here to go directly to that, whatever the Lord lays on your heart. It is that time of Feast of Trumpets, Feast of Tabernacles, Deuteronomy 16, 16, three times a year, don't come empty-handed to God. And so we're in that time just past the Day of Atonement. And so we'll give into the house and take up an offering. But then over the next year, next year, 2024, I'm asking families, households to partner with us into sowing something extravagant whether it be $50 a month, $100 a month, whatever, like do something like rather than go out to eat, we're putting away something for our storehouse. Like I don't believe we need $25,000 for a down payment to buy this property. I believe when the Lord sees fit for us to buy this property, Brad said, we'll know what the $25,000 is for. And so we have right there an opportunity to honor and hear what the Lord is saying. And so I would like to see, literally, if we take 25 families that say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give $100 a month, that gets the 25000 right there, okay? And literally, if I, right now, in today's economy, if I go out to eat, it's $100, you know, with my family of six. Now, some of you aren't like that, but it is like that for my three growing teenage boys and my daughter. And so we want to make sure that we steward this correctly, Um so you begin to pray about that and what the Lord leads upon your heart. I'm just asking you, let's partner with us and do this correctly. I believe we'll have over $25,000 and this is just literally set aside for the house till we know when. That doesn't mean building project. That doesn't mean anything. Brad just said, things are shifting, things are moving. You need to have $25,000 set aside. Now we have that in the bank right now, but he said extra. Now that leads into what we're teaching on tonight. That leads into our blessings of generosity that makes us begin to understand when you hear the word of the Lord, we have to begin to understand hearing and obeying is vital when it comes to finances. Hearing and obeying what the Lord has to say is vital in what you do. So literally God begins to speak to the king of, of Egypt and begins to tell Pharaoh that of a dream of seven years of famine. He didn't know that until he what? Met a son a son of honor, a set of wholeness, a man named Joseph who thought he was forgotten, who thought he was a nobody, okay? They must have forgot about me. No, from the pit to the prison to the palace, okay? In that, these men know who can interpret the dream. The word of the Lord comes, provision for seven years, seven years of famine, but I'm gonna give you every resource you need to make it through that. We have to understand that inside of generosity and inside of blessing, God is giving us everything that we need to be blessed, to prepare for days of prosperity, but also days when things don't look like we would want them to look. And obviously, if our emotions are correct, they're not as bad as days as we think they are. Agree? Yes, 
Okay, so in that, we have to understand what does giving really mean? Giving means money, it means time, it means resources. Giving can mean so many different things. But when we give, we want to give with, this is my phrase. Last week, it was just say no, right? Last week, it was just say no with your finances. This week, inside of my generosity, when it comes to giving, there has to be no strings attached. And the only way that there can be no strings attached is if our heart is whole. If our heart is not whole, there'll always be some illegitimate string that is attached of when I sow a seed into something. When knowing that we'll learn here in a little bit that when we give and when we sow, God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. God is here to make sure that everything that I need is taken care of. Now, in this, God wants you to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. He wants you to be a lender and not a borrower. God wants you to be prosperous, but not to the point that we're in this place of self-employment rather than thinking of how can I build the kingdom? When I throw a rock in the pond, when I give, what's the ripple effect and the reach of what I'm giving into? What is the obedience to that? And we have to know that when we give, there's a word of the Lord attached to what you give. There's a word of the Lord attached to my tithe. There's a word of the Lord attached to my time. There's a word of the Lord attached to my generosity of something that I may have. Like when I gave Mike Manichi a bow, I get a bow, I get blessed. I get, a, I get an awesome bow for $100. I already have a bow, but this is like a $700 bow that I got for a hundred bucks. I have the bow for about a week and the Lord starts dealing with my heart to give this to Mike. Mike wanted to buy the bow, not that bow that I had, that style of bow, but he knew the Lord kept telling him, just wait, just wait, just wait. Because of Mike's generosity and Mike's honor, the Lord begins to prick my heart because of sonship and relationship, and I give Mike something that he longed for. So we have to understand when we get surrounded by love, when we get surrounded by the generosity of God, we have to begin to understand that, listen, there are no limitations when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to I shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. And we are going to tap into that. And we have to get to the point that inside of our generosity, we can't be shaky. We can't be to the point where we think it's a sacrifice. We can't put certain words next to our generosity. We just have to have a yes to it. We can't look at it as an investment. We can't look at it as sacrifice. When we do that, we start putting emotional ties to what we're giving and what we're doing. And so in that, when I get seed or I get resources, I now have the ability to throw a rock in a pond and have a ripple effect of God's love and his hope and his generosity through everything that it does. And guess what the end reach is? It's wholeness for everyone. When he receives a bow, it could be something that of a fracture of that a dad who promised, and I don't know this, I'm just saying this. Dad promises you something, promises you something. You never get that promise. And then all of a sudden, God connects you to somebody who gives you something out of nowhere that heals that moment in your heart of something that you never received. Now you receive it. But inside of the giving, we cannot come to a place that we are more moved by receiving than giving because the Bible simply says that blessed is a man that gives rather than to receive. And so I say this anywhere in the culture. When you talk about money in the church, people get so, oh man, here we go. He's trying to get an Escalade. No, that's Dakota who sells insurance. I drive a truck, okay? 
But if you are a preacher that drives an Escalade and that's your flair and that's your style, cool, that's on you. Let's quit criticizing people for how blessed they are and start celebrating what God has done in life. And if they've done it the wrong way, then listen, the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. And so whatever is happening, God's going to get the glory anyway. And so even if somebody's stewarding something wrong, God loves you so much and he is such a generous father that even when you mess up with your finances, he'll teach you good, valuable lessons so that you can learn that generosity is what makes the kingdom of God go round. So if we can ever get to the place in church that we become sustained and we become settled and we become steadfast in our giving and not so wishy-washy, That's why the tithe messes with everybody because how the tithe begins to work is if only if I get something, then I'll give it. That's the scary thing about the tithe. The tithe is only if I receive, then I'll be provoked to give. That's why I don't give whether I get a paycheck or don't give a paycheck. Anytime that I am in the house of God, I am in the presence, God is doing something, I'm gonna give into that. Why? Because I don't want what God is doing to ever stop. If I see God moving in a ministry, I want to give into that. Whether that could be missions, whether that could be your storehouse, whether that could be somebody who speaks into your life, you want to make sure that you operate in this degree, and it's John 3, 16. It's so simple. It's so easy. Give before you receive. John 3, 16. I, uh, I want New King James Version. I don't want the past. I'm old school when it comes to this verse. I No, I can't do the I just can't. I don't even, I, I think that, that might be the worst uh, translation Brian Simmons has is John three sixteen, and that's just me being religious. I just tell you right now, that's just me being religious. I want King James or New King James. That's it, because I want for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten. I want begotten Son. Okay, His version is probably beloved Son. I want Him to be begotten because that's just that was my first message I ever preached, and I want Him to be the only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So this shows me right here. I, I'm, I'm, last week I told you I wanted to sit. I don't want to sit tonight because I sat on a plane. <laughs> so I want to get up and move around just a little bit. But I want you to look at this. God gave, that's his first initiative. For what? What did he give? It's not for you to get to heaven. It's so that we would believe that we could find everlasting life, which is what? Without beginning or end, which means what? Whole. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in love, you know how I like to do this. If you believe in love and patience and kindness, which means it doesn't have to be settled today. It means that my reach of giving has a ripple effect in a pond that I can see the initial splash and it may not hit the shore that I'm standing on today, but that rock of giving was thrown into the pond and it's gonna touch me at some point. At some point, love is gonna touch my life. At some point, that generosity that he loved us so much that he wanted us to be whole and he wanted us to be his. So that shows us that when he gave, he desired connectability, but he did not desire just any kind of connectability. He desired all of you. So when we give, it has to come from a whole place because when he gave his son, he just didn't give a little. When he gave his son, he gave it all. 
And so literally when you start giving from a whole place of a heart, you won't have a wishy-washy style of giving. You'll live a style that he gave for me and he's blessed me, so I want to bless somebody else. And that could be with my money, that could be with my resources, that could be with my tools, that could be with my time, that could be with my knowledge, that could be with my expertise, that could be with prophecy, that could be with deliverance, that could be in so many ways. But if my heart's not whole, then I have a posture to receive before I give because when you're not whole guess what you think will make you whole when you get something and that'll take us back to the first class this is why a lot of us the first class we struggle spending giving getting what happens when your whole life becomes more about what you can give to people than what you can get from people You know what phrase I would hate in this class? What's in it for me? What's in it for me? You're broken. You're broken. You're broken. You're you're 100% of the time. If it's a what's in it for me rather than what can I do for you, then you do not understand that Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as I have loved them and he gave his life for them. He gave every bit for them. So tonight, I want us to posture not, this is not a 10% class. My God, do you want a 10% God? I don't. And he's not a 10% God. He's a whole God. He's a righteous God. He's a worthy God. And he has plans for your life. And those doors get unlocked through one word and it's called generosity. And it's not just about money tonight. It's about you giving your whole self. And if that has to be money, then I'll hear it. Now there's some practicals that we have to give into the storehouse and we have to begin to honor. There those, have, those things have to happen and they're non-negotiable. They're non-negotiable. But listen, when you stop negotiating tithes and offerings and you stop negotiating sowing into other people when they bless you, I'm telling you, you'll start living a life of generosity where the reaping will overtake the sowing and you won't know what's going on but the goodness of God. And even when we're not worthy, he still gives. And he still, even when, even when I shouldn't be worth it. But why would we, should we walk around with just little raindrop blessings when we can walk in a downpour? We can learn to dance in the rain and realize that the rain is going to bring forth crops and bring forth harvest. I need the rain. I need the blessings of the abundance of Abba. I want to give because he gave. I want to give. Let me wake up with that thought every day. I want to give. Because he gives. And he just doesn't give a little. He gives a lot. I want to be the nature of Jesus. I want to be the nature of Abba. I want to be a giver. Some of you need to, some of you need to just take a moment before we head into the next piece of this. That's really your heart. That's really your heart. So I'm done with the enemy tying your hands. I'm done with you thinking you're less and you worried about. There's some really big dreams you want to sow into in this room. All you're thinking about right now, nobody in here is thinking about receiving. Everybody's thinking about what do you really want to give into? Mm -hmm. What do you really want to resource? What do you want to resource? 
What do you want to resource? I hear nations when I'm saying this to myself. I'm hearing nations. I'm hearing Honduras. I'm hearing Africa. I'm hearing Brazil. I hear nations. Like I, I feel it all over me. I feel the glory of God. All over. I hear nations. I hear I want to be able to sow in, even though they don't need, I want to be able to sow into Canada. I want to sow. And then I start thinking about, yes, God has showed me dreams of a woman's shelter in Portage County. I want to be able to write the check for that. I want to be able to write more adoption checks. God, let us write one so we could write more. I'm just telling you what's swirling in my heart right now. I want to be able to resource a food bank that literally somebody looks at us and says, the well will never run dry. The well will never run dry. But you know how that happens? When we realize there's major people in this room. There's major chess pieces in this room and watching on the live stream. There's major contributors. But you don't believe in yourself. And I'm telling you, you got to start believing in you. You got to start believing in those dreams that you're thinking about because he put them there for a reason. And your dreams may be my dreams and we're going to sow in this together. But some of you are dreaming some things right now that you could give into. Yeah. Start with a dollar. Start with $2. Start, start, just start. Start tomorrow when you wake up. Go take $100 and open a bank account. Start. You got to start somewhere. You have to take a step. And the Bible says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. And I'm telling you, we're scared to death of small beginnings. But I'm telling you, a small beginning can become a launch pad for you and your children and your children's children. I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody's got to take a step. Somebody's got to take a step. Somebody's got to start an LLC. Somebody's got to, somebody's got to start a 501c3. Somebody's got to take a step. What do you see your hands touching? Because my Bible tells me that if a kingdom man puts his hand to a plow and takes a step and moves forward, you're blessed. You're blessed. Sometimes you think shocking it is just going and mixing it up. It might be taking one dollar and opening the bank account. And it may take next week putting another dollar in it. And it may take next week putting another dollar in it. And then you look back after a year and there's $365 in it. And then all of a sudden now, because you've been honoring what the Lord's doing, because you gave a dollar into your dream and you gave a dollar into somebody else's dream, all of a sudden the Lord says, now I'll give you $100 to put in that a week. You see how this thing begins? You see how this thing begins? This thing begins with somebody saying 50 cents doesn't have value. I'm telling you, Jesus said you had so much value. I will come and lay down my life for you. Quit thinking small and quit thinking it has no value. Because when a baby came in a manger, people said it had no value. But three wise men that came to sow something and came to give something knew that that was going to be peace on earth. Giving Oh, giving activates peace on earth and a goodwill for all men. Don't tell me the kingdom's not about giving because in one moment, God gave us a son and then showed us three wealthy kings that came with the right instruments. I'm, I'll tell you straight up. I preached in Canada and I called my wife. I said, you watching the live stream sow into this place. Why? So I can sow into my own offering? You have no idea who I am. 
No, I needed seed to go into Edmonton. I needed seed to go into Canada. Where are you going to start? Where? Where are you going to start with the daycare? Where are you going to start? Where are you going to start with the next truck and the next mower? Where are you going to start? 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 What are you going to start for the church? Where are you, where are you going to start? You ready? This is going to sound worldly. Buckle your seatbelt. You ready? Put your money where your mouth is. What are you talking about? What have what you been talking about? What have you been talking about with God? What have you been dreaming about that you think it's never going to happen? Here's the word of the Lord. Put your money where your mouth is. Put your money where your mouth is. Start a bank account. Put your money where your mouth is. Put a seed in the ground. You see somebody doing something great? Put a seed in it. Put your money where your mouth is. Why? Because you need to understand you may only see the tip of the iceberg, but Abba sees the whole picture. You may only get to see the first dimension. He sees the whole picture for your life. Only a little bit might be sticking up right now, but nobody can see what lies in the deep. Nobody can see what's in the deep parts of who you are. Nobody can see the deep treasure. When you go find treasure, you can't just find it on a surface area. You got to get a shovel, you got to get a spade, and you got to start going deep. Nobody can ever tell how big an iceberg is just because of what they've seen in the beginning part of what can be visual. You're going to have to go deep to get the measurements of who and what they really are. You're going to have to go deep to get the visual. You're going to have to go deep. And where do you have to go deep? In his love. Not in striving. Not in working more hours. In his love. It's all about Abba's love. And we, Northgate, are just in the tip of the iceberg. We're just in the tip. We're just in the tip. We're just in the beginning. Mama Jeanette, tell us about the iceberg. The iceberg. Um, last week, Miss Tina had sp- spoken a little bit about the iceberg, and then Pastor just blew it away. Um, but let's look now at the iceberg. See that very top part? That's the tip that we live on, right? That's the what we pray about, what we worry about, what we all those things. Um, We only see the tip of the iceberg as being our immediate wants and needs, and then we miss what Yahweh has in store for us. Let's look at these verses from a different perspective. So then, forsake your worries. Doesn't your heavenly Father already know the things your body requires, right? The next one, since we have confidence... We can also have great boldness before him. For if we ask anything agreeable to his will, he will hear us. And if we know he hears us in whatever we ask, we also know that we have obtained the request of him. We ask of him. So look back at the word forsake. 
I looked it up, and forsake means to abandon, renounce, or to give up something. So he's asking us to give up your worries. Just give them up. Like, let them go. Give them up. And then we look at agreeable to his will. It's That's almost, we use it as a cop-out. Like, well, it wasn't his will, so that's why I didn't get what I asked for. You know? So we're like, we're, let's relook at these two verses and say, all he's asking us to do is to for, forget or to give up our worries. Okay? Give up a meal today. Give up, you know, I, I think of different things that I've given up, like uh, skip a meal today. Give up cigarettes. I never smoked, but that's something. Give, you know, give up whatever, right? Um, so, but what is agreeable to his will? And I started asking that question. I prayed that before. If it's agreeable to you, will you do this? Well, he wants to give you everything and he wants to give it to you good. So um, that's kind of, let's get rid of that cop out. His promises are what he wants to talk about. His promises are what he wants to fulfill. Yes. In fact, he has already deposited everything we need in us. Ryland's dream the other night was an announcement to us that the box is full and it's unlocked and it's at our feet. That wasn't just for Rylin. She brought that to the house because it was a dream that Abba sent to her for all of us. Um, Hebrews 11.11 says, Sarah's faith embraced God's miracle power to conceive even though she was barren and way past the age of childbearing. For the authority of her faith rested in the one who made the promise. And she tapped into his faithfulness. She just had to believe in who he was and that he loved her. And he's going to do what he says he's going to do. So what, what should she do if she believed his promise? She should eat well exercise to be able to keep up with a two-year-old that's coming when I'm 100 years old. You know? What can I sow into that's going towards my promise? She didn't sit around and be gray-haired. Like, she had to keep up. Okay? Um, Then the next one. This one I named, just say no to worry. Just say no from last week. And, it, and we're just saying, nope, I don't have to worry. I'm giving that up. Make your life a prayer. And in everything, be always giving thanks. Yep. For this is God's perfect plan. Yes. This is what he, is agreeable to him. Yeah. Okay? This is his will. It's not a cop-out. It's not, well, he didn't answer because I didn't get it right. This is his perfect plan. If we're thankful for everything. So make your life a prayer. 
and in everything, always giving thanks for this is God's perfect plan for you in Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Never restrain or put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. And don't be the one who scorns prophecies, but be faithful to examine them by putting them to the test. And afterward, hold tightly to what has proven to be right. The top of the, the iceberg is we need money in this world. We need shelter, clothing, health. We need all those things. But the bottom of the iceberg is full of promises of the Lord, words of knowledge that come for and prophecies that we've all received, okay? Stop and think about the prophecies spoken over you. Think about the desires and dreams of your heart. As Pastor just told us about some of the things that just revved him up right away, you started thinking about the things that you've that you've thought about. How many, how many in this room have been said you're going to be a millionaire? How many have been prophesied more children? Start of new businesses. Maybe to build an orphanage. Somebody might have spoken that over you. Um, I heard, Rhonda, I'm going to use you as an example. I'm sorry because you're <laughs> we swim together, so I know her. So... Um, she says to me all the time, I love working in the garden. I love the flowers and the plants. I just love that. Where did that desire come from? Like, where did it come from? It came from Abba. Holy Spirit puts that inside of her. And it, she lights up when you talk about flowers. We go shopping for flowers. We just walk through greenhouses just to make ourselves happy. I mean, it's just cool. Um, but as we sat here last week, I heard Abba whisper, um, I want to give her a bed and breakfast. And I, I was like, wow, like, what does that mean? But it was so that she could tend the garden that surrounds a beautiful home where you can provide rest and encouragement to guests that I send you. Not only that, you will provide a job for another that will support his family, and he will be able to give into the kingdom. Okay? Think about that. Think about how you're giving into that promise. Provides for another family, so it multiplies your giving by Supplying for another family, you supply what what you're going to give. You're going to have more to give from a business, yeah, yeah. from yourself. Yep. You're increased your salary. What you're you're also going to now your employees are going to give. Okay, so that multiplication. Now, I see her struggling with her knees, but I've seen her in a garden with flowers all around her. She has to be kneeling down to take care of those. So I'm thanking Yahweh for the healing of those knees, whether it's done through medical science or whether it comes, Rhonda, you are going to be able to stand in a garden, kneel in a garden and tend the flowers that you love, that you love. That's a promise. That's a promise. So... I don't really have to keep 
praying that she has what she needs for a surgery or for employment because I've seen her on her knees in a garden. And I'm going to be thankful for that every day that I stop and think, oh, how does that, how's her knees doing? I've changed my, I switched the script. Okay. And on that, that big farmhouse that you so miss, that you gave up everything for to be here and be part of this, yes. the Lord will give you that back in a bed and breakfast. Yeah. That big house with the space where you can have the dog you desire that can run property that you get to tend and take care of will return to you because you gave. That's right. Yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Yes, yes. That was so good. Haven't we heard that word of the Lord over the North Gate that we will be given this, this plaza? So if we will be given this plaza... That's our promise. It's our, if our, pray, our praise begin, is his perfect plan then, to thank him for that. We don't have to worry about rent or health or um, how we're going to take care of this, how we're going to figure it out. We're just going to start giving and living like we have a promise. Yes. Yes. You pour into the storehouse just because he gave us a promise. I mean, he loves us. We're loved. He supplies our, our check. Ed always says um, that he gives you the intelligence to do your job. He gives you the physical being to do your job. He's, he gave you what you needed to make money. Why are you withholding anything from him? Right? So, um, okay, one more. One more iceberg. So at the top of the iceberg, we could thank him for his promises and figure out ways to give. And then just stand on the promises that... He's waiting to fulfill in us. So never doubt God's mighty work to work in you to accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all. It's written in his word. He doesn't go back on this. For his miraculous power constantly energizes you. And I saw that as just everything flowing into you that you need for your day because you're getting set up for what's coming. Right? So Abba will provide your health, your finances, the wisdom, and the connections you need for his perfect plan. This week, under the oaks, Apostle Damon encouraged us to live like we have a promise, pray like we have a promise, praise like we have a promise, dance like we have a promise, and rest like we have a promise. In rest, these were his words. I got this a week ago. 
I listened to that and I'm like, oh my gosh, he just said what I was thinking. I was like, so good. He's so good to us. He's just so good to us. Shauna was sitting over here went Sunday and she said, oh God, I wish I could dance for you, but I just, I can't, my body won't do it. But I, I want, I desire to dance for you. And she heard him say, see yourself dancing. I was worshiping over here, look, not even paying attention. I didn't even know where she was. And I saw her dancing in front of me. I turned to look at her and she was sitting over there. And I thought, wait a minute, <laughs> what's wrong with this picture? And I turned around, so I, I, it was so, I mean, it was so real. I went over and I said, I see you dancing. And she said, I am. <laughs> and she explained to me, he told her to dance in her mind. And I saw her dancing over here. This is working. We're weaving ourselves together. We're putting our honeycombs next to each other. And we're beginning to be a family where we can see each other and encourage each other. In uh, Apostle Damon finished by saying, in rest, you can hear his promises. He promises to provide everything you need for today because he's setting you up to be his sound and light in your world, to be the display of his glory. Okay, I'm going to go over a verse here. It's in Titus. It just happens to be in Titus. Okay, the same grace teaches us how to live each day as we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles, and it equips us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. For we continue to wait for the fulfillment of our hope in the dawning splendor of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus, the Anointed One. He sacrificed himself for us. that he might purchase our freedom from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people who are his very own, passionate to do what is beautiful in his eyes. Can Good. Yeah, whatever you want to say. Okay. So... One of the things my mom used to do is when she go out to buy, she liked some fancy purses and some fancy things, and she would always buy two. One for herself, and then one to give away. But she'd pick out somebody that was less fortunate that she knew could never pay her back. Kind of let that sink in a little bit. Come on, man. Come on. She knew they could never pay her back. She didn't want anything back. She was such an amazing woman. We learned giving 
through our parents. And that was one thing. She would take me shopping, and she would go to places that I couldn't afford. But she would take me, and she'd say, isn't this a beautiful, beautiful purse? And I'd say, oh, yeah, it's really nice. You should get it. And in the bag, there was always two. There was one for me, too. There was, she would just, and she would do that. She liked pretty things, but she knew that other people wanted them, too. So instead of just buying what she wanted, she never, ever came home without two. She always gave one away. It was amazing. It was just a little thing that we've learned. Giving unlocks so much. And that's why we have to understand the practicals of like right now, tonight. You know, some people would be like, why do you got to give the church money? Well, for one thing, just here in this room tonight, everybody's dreaming. Everybody's having a hunger to give, to buy, to do. I hear her say, you know, Ed's mom bought a purse. I sit here and say, what happens when you take a kid for ice cream? You know, one of the things that I'd, I have done for years coaching uh, Little League Baseball was I always made sure that the kids went for ice cream. And it got to the point where it became uncomfortable with some of the parents that, it, you know, what it provoked. I, I was committed that I would pay every single time. But now through the years, I don't pay every time. It, generosity is one of the most contagious things on the planet. And so in that, the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us, I've even heard like this, it's commanded to give into the storehouse, to give into this place right here in Malachi 3. And I don't like the part where it says, and, 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 and hear me on this, when, when most, how do you rob from God with tithes and offerings? This is a prophecy. Here's what I've learned in prophecy through the years right now. I don't think any of us are robbing God when we don't, Give. I've heard that teach like that for years. You're robbing God. You're robbing God. I'm not stealing from God. You know what's being robbed? Your blessings. Flip that, man. He promised us in the scripture, if I give you a little and you do some stuff with it because you know how much I love you, I'll give you more. Because what is, what is supposed to be happening? Love is supposed to be love, loving love, loving love, loving love, loving love. And that's when we give into this house. When you give into the storehouse, we need to make sure that there always is going to be food. That there's always going to be resources. There's always going to be, if somebody has a need, we can fulfill that in one moment. And listen, quit thinking that the need being fulfilled always has to be poor people. That's good. You may walk through seven years of famine and may need the, the, house, the help of the house. That, that, this, this is us. This is our house. This is our house. This is our city. And we have the capabilities to resource it. But we're going to have to be intentional and not inconsistent. And you'll fall into the inconsistent trap if, if your heart's not whole, you'll think God's not going to take care of me. But it clearly says here, listen, skip the uh, rob God. I, I hate that part. Bring all your tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me. I love this right here. I, I've always loved this part. Try me right now in this, says the Lord of hosts, 
If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that you cannot contain, there won't even be enough room for you to receive it. And the next part he says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that you will not be destroyed and the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fall to bear. Listen, God's telling you, I want to bless you so much. You know what the true answer is? I don't want to bless you. You're already blessed and you can't see it when you're stuck in worry. You're already blessed. Everybody in this room is blessed with all measure. Now, if you compare yourself to somebody else, it becomes the thief of authenticity. You're already blessed and you're robbing yourself from seeing how good Abba is to you and how much more is about to be opened in front of you. Listen, all of us in this room have more than we've ever had in our lives. And sitting there to think I need more? I own a home. I have a wife. I have four kids. I have nothing to worry about unless I believe a lie that I have something that I don't have. That's why Jeanette just showed us the iceberg. We'll miss how big it all is if you don't give thanks for what you have. So man, I bring cheerfully my tithes to the storehouse and I don't bring my tithes. I bring what the Lord tells me to bring. That's just literally teaching of what they knew of their time and their day and age. I'm not asking you to bring 10%. I'm telling you, this is your dream factory and this is a place where you fall in love with God and I don't want the doors to ever close. I want my kids, kids, kids to have an environment like this that they will not ever feel robbed of God's love. And we can't keep that open if we don't believe in what we're giving into. Believe in this house. Believe in yourself. Believe in us. And believe in God's words over all of us. That's practical. That's practical Malachi. Now, what I love about Malachi is Malachi, the interpretation is all about the building, right? Because why is it all about the building? Because it ends. Malachi is one of the last Old Testament books. You know what I love about this when it says, given to your storehouse, given to your church, given to your place. You know, you know why I love this? Because we have a picture of what the church is supposed to look like. It's a place that hosts the presence. Moses, David, we see what Ezra rebuilds for the whole family. It has to be something that is ready, available, and a safe place for everybody in every generation to discover the love and the presence of Almighty God. So you know what's crazy? A practical, practical generosity in kingdom life is I'm going to give into my house. I'm going to make sure that my house has plenty and I'm not going to be inconsistent with it. Because listen, if you're inconsistent with your rent, what happens? You don't live there no more. If you're inconsistent with your mortgage, you don't live there more. You want to know one of the first ways I know somebody's out the door and not coming to this church anymore? They stop giving into it. And guess what the first thing they stop doing? They Where they once dreamed, they don't dream anymore. Where they once dreamed, they don't dream anymore because they're, they're locking up, they're damming up the availability to begin to dream of where God has planted them. That's so good. Man. One of the ways that I see that part of that we rob God, I don't see it as he has something, we've stolen it from him. Yes. I see it as the iceberg. Under the surface, what we're not seeing is the joy of him blessing us. So we're robbing him the joy yeah. of giving us everything that he wants to give us that we can't even contain. 
And just like when he wants to give the children of Israel the land, he tells them, I can only give it to you in, in part right now. And he, he continues to expand their boundaries because it's not good for them if he gives it all to them at once. So when you give your tithe and your offering and you're being generous with your money, you're giving him the satisfaction, the joy of giving you the rest of that iceberg because you can be trusted with it because of your giving. So again, why are we teaching on money? If anybody's around the Northgate, like you guys are the most honorable giving people on the planet because we've only seen the tip of the iceberg of who we are. We are about to see what is underneath the depth of his love for us and for this house. I'm telling you, we're just getting started. That's why I don't like to, we don't, we don't teach on the tithe here. Apostle has shown us and we have, we have learned that we are gone beyond this. Why? Because man, his love is about to unlock things and his love is the rock in the pond of generosity that begins. We have no idea. We have no idea what our generosity and honor, what banks are going to hit from the splash that we are making from our generosity. I need this house to dream big. Look how far we have come. come. And we're just getting started. We're just, April 22nd, that man came into this house, prophesied to you, now it's just beginning. Not seven years, now it's, next year is the eighth year. It's just beginning. So practicals. Old Testament talks about sowing into your dream factory. That's what I like calling it. It's my dream factory. I sow into Mobile because that's my dream factory. And when I get into a place where the presence of God is, that's my dream factory. His presence and His glory makes me start believing in who He is for me. Man, I start realizing how much He loves me. And it's like, we're we're about to co-labor in some stuff. We're about to co-labor in some stuff and not just me and him, but me and whoever I'm connected with. So that's why I don't have a problem sowing in Mobile, sowing into Covington, sowing. I don't don't have a problem giving into Canada. I have not because those are my dream factories. And then if I hear something from Bill Johnson that begins to hit me, then Reading just became my dream factory. Honor, honor, honor. We're just at the tip of the iceberg. We don't see the big picture of what's in the deep. That's why he's calling us deep into beloved. Oh, you want to know about my salvation? Let me show you about my mysteries for this cosmos. That I'm actually going to do through you. I want to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask and think. And I love the part right here. And I want to do it through you. I will, your God will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask with your mouth and even think with your mind. I'm going to do even more than that and I'm going to do it through you. Yeah. I'm going to do it through you. Northgate, you're the crown of Gulliver. You're not the mistake on the lake. On. Cleveland, Ohio was not the mistake on the lake. We are not poverty. We are not trash. We're the crown of Gulliver. We're the crown of revival man for a nation. We're the heartbeat of America. You in this room are extravagant to the king. And we are going to continue to give into this dream factory called a storehouse. Now the next part that I love about generosity is I love sowing into other people. I love, I love giving into other people. And Paul gives us a great description of this in Philippians 4.14. In Philippians 4.14, you have so graciously provided for my essential needs during this season of difficulty. For I want you to know that the Philippian church 
was the only church that supported me in the beginning as I went out to preach the gospel. You were the only church that sowed into me financially. Now, because of this, and when I was in Thessalonica, you supported me for well over a year. Verse 17. Mention this not because I am requesting a gift from you. No strings attached. No strings attached in our giving. Our heart is whole. We don't know what the outcome is going to be, but love is going to be good to us. So in this, I'm not requesting a gift, but so that the fruit of your generosity may bring you an abundant reward now, right now in this life. Now I have all that I need. More than enough, I'm abundantly satisfied, for I have received the gift you sent. I cannot read that. Say it again. Epaphroditus. Right on. Sounds like an STD. I'm just telling you right now. (laughs) 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 Only at the North Gate. Everybody watching the live streams right now going... What the? We have fun. Quit being religious. Welcome to Jimmy Lovejoy is your pastor. I may hold set free. I have no STDs. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, I received the gift and viewed it as a sweet sacrifice, perfumed with the fragrance of your fruitfulness. There was probably somebody really, really religious watching right now. They just shut it off. That's how I got eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. See you, buddy. <laughs> They're talking about money. No, we're talking about STDs. <laughs> Watch, go to verse 19. This is Ronald hit. Here's that word again. This deals with inconsistency. Am I convinced? I gave into this man. This man begins to receive. His ministry begins to what? It's not about him. It's about who he's reaching. It's about the reach. When we sow into a man of God, it is about the reach. It is about knowing that he is pure. He's doing the right thing. And we want the good message of Jesus. We want revival. We want reformation to spread. So know when God's hand is upon someone. See it. Recognize the anointing. Recognize the call. And sow into that man. Realize there's covenant relationship there. And honor this. And so in the return, what you get from the man of God, I'm convinced that my God, the God that you see, the hand is on that man. This man's message back is, I'm convinced that the one I am serve will fully satisfy every need you have. I love this. God will supply all of your needs according to the riches of We perverted that forever. That only comes from way of honor. That scripture text is only activated by your honor and your faith and your ability to discern. That's why you can't convince me not to sow into that man's ministry and that man's life because he's touching lives and he's ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to make sure just like a house can be a dream works, there are men that carries a dream inside of people that make them come alive. And we don't want them to ever worry about money. We don't want that individual to step into Matthew 6. We want them to share the gospel. So if they need a car, we're going to make sure they got a car. If they need a plane ticket, we're going to make sure they need a plane. If they need a hotel, if they need food, if whatever they need, 
If God passes that man of God in front of you, we have the responsibility to make sure what's on his life and the message that's in him is getting out so that it can affect other people. And our return is this, is that we will be blessed. For I have seen the abundant riches of glory revealed to me through the anointing of Jesus. I know your needs and I'm going to make sure according to my riches and glory. That's what Abba says when you take care of his. And listen, it ain't got to be a preacher with a microphone. I said an anointed man of God. That could be a car salesman. That's an anointed man of God. That could be a lawyer. That could be a doctor. That could be a politician. When you see somebody with the call of God on their life that is impact, it could be a coach. You see somebody showing the love of God. Bless that individual. Bless them. Bless them. I don't care if it's buying a meal. And they're like, I don't need a meal. Yeah, but you may, I'm going to buy your meal because you don't know what money you might need tomorrow. I'm going to bless you with what? With the obedience that I hear. That could be resources. That could be going and cutting their grass. That could be going and, and, and cutting firewood. That could be making sure that they have the time. If I have resources in time, I need to make sure you have resources in time. This is not about, we're not going to make this dummy down just about money in the bank. We're not going to do that. It could be washing somebody's car. It could be pulling somebody's flower beds. I watched somebody bless my mom and dad and go one spring and, and literally clear my mama's flower beds out. That is giving and generosity too. Like when Apostle D was here on my 40th birthday, and I don't know who, I think it was Joey Mitch and maybe a couple of other guys, went and started wiping Clinton and started went, went to all the, all the people from the South that don't have anything to wipe snow off of their car. You got up early in the cold. That is generosity. That will begin to open up. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. People out parking cars in revival. There are certain things that we can do to honor the man of God, making sure that the house is clean. There are ways to serve and give and operate in generosity that it opens up. My God will supply all of your needs. Because he's seen you operate from a whole heart with no strings attached. No strings attached. No strings attached means I'm not going to begin to prostitute my relationship with you. Do you know what the word prostitution is? I know what it is because I preached on it in Canada. Because when a prostitute walked through the room with costly oil, there was two things in the room that wanted to interrupt her love affair with Jesus. And it was criticism and betrayal. Criticism is talking about matters that don't matter. That's what criticism is. Why are we sitting here talking about a woman who's coming in to pour oil on Jesus? Criticism, hear me on this. And then the other one in verse 26 of Matthew, verse 14. After she poured the oil on the feet, the next thing it says is that the locksmith named Judas Iscariot began to go around the room and find who would betray Jesus. You know what betrayal is? Those that won't guard what's happening. So when I got strings attached, I'm not guarding. I'm not guarding relationships and I'm criticizing what God is doing. That's prostitution. Prostitution is an unworthy ability or use of something you have. An unworthiness. So literally when I give you money or I do something to you and I got strings attached in it, I'm literally calling you a prostitute and I'm saying you're unworthy and I'm only using your abilities for my gain. I'm using your abilities, your gift for my gain. And I'm actually saying it's unworthy because what you are, I just want for myself. I'll throw some. I'll throw some. That's welcome to prostitution. Welcome to prostitution. 
I'm going to give with love out of Matthew 10, 42, 40 and 42. Whoever receives you receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Whoever receives a prophet because he is God's messenger will share a prophet's reward. I have said this for years. So into a prophet, reap a prophet's reward. If that is a word of the Lord, honor it. I don't care how that is. I don't care if it's you go clean their house for a month, you give them $10, you say, whatever. Whatever the Lord tells you to do, when somebody comes with the word of the Lord, a messenger with the word of the Lord comes to you, you honor that correctly. You honor that correctly because watch, godly men, watch this, godly men, because he follows me, will also share in his reward. You literally begin to share in the reward of who they are when you begin to sow into someone's life. When you sow honor into someone else, literally their reward becomes your reward. This is all dead. I'm, I'm, I'm being as serious as I can. This will sound funny because if he was here, he would make it be funny. But Apostle D made this statement in Under the Oaks. It's on recording. Jimmy Lovejoy was broke till I got connected to that. this truth. I was broke till I got connected to that oracle. And then I began to honor that oracle and great is his reward became my reward. And listen, there are people that when you talk about honoring men will literally, that you just don't believe it. You can't tell me not to believe it. Did it happen? Listen, tip of the iceberg. Did it happen right away? Nope. Matter of fact, in 2009, the first time I met him, I stopped my cable bill so I could send $100 to that man monthly. I went for years without cable TV so that I could begin to sow into a prophet and reap a prophet's reward. Am I telling you to cut your cable bill off? I'm not. What I'm telling you is, is hear the word of the Lord. For every religious person that said I told people to sow 100 bucks, that's not what I said. I told you to hear from God. I told you to hear from God. I told you. Every accusing mouth, that's not what I said. I said you hear from God. See an anointing on a man's life, sowing it. Those are practical things. Now, no strings attached. 1 Corinthians 13, 3. No strings attached. I already went into the prostitution of it. Here's the word of the Lord. And if I were to be so generous as give away everything I owned to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. Anything you give, give with love. Now there's practical kingdom principles of tithing and offerings and all that kind of stuff. You give and listen, I told you the blessings that come with that. But there's something different that gets unlocked when you have a whole heart. There's something of different, man, when I start giving into places and people and whatever the Lord tells me to do. It unlocks something different when I love and I'm expecting nothing in return but this one thing. God loves me to give me more to give. Let me give so I can give more. That's how I I mean, I am, those that are really close to me, like I'm goofy honor, like make people feel weird. But I love big, man. And you know why I do that? Because I have a word of the Lord This was my word of the Lord. If you give $100 faithfully, you'll give $1,000 faithfully one day, Jimmy Lovejoy. And when you can give $1,000 at the drop of a hat, I'll make sure that you'll do $10,000. And when you give that $10,000, when I tell you to do it, you'll do $100,000. You know, I have done everything of that except for $100,000. And I believe that's on the way quickly. 
I believe that is on the way quickly. And the Lord told me one day I will be able to write a million dollar check into somebody else's dream. This is about DreamWorks. This is about DreamWorks. This isn't about a financial gain of a pastor driving a Bentley. This is about DreamWorks and us reclaiming territories and sons and daughters being fully alive in the glory of God, being the head and not the tail, the lender and not the borrower, above and not beneath, and it not be perverted. It literally be out of love. Why do you guys do this, Northgate? Because we love big because he loves me big. You got something I see you grabbing. I just, man, when you give out of love, you get a double blessing. And I never heard anyone teach this. When you, when you give, you're going to get. It, it says, it's clear as day. But when you get a love and gratitude, have you ever given so cheerfully, you're literally like, like it says in the Passions, hilariously give. You're belly laughing. You're so excited. Yeah. So swelled up with yeah. love. You literally, like, I don't think we understand. When Jesus multiplied the bread, what did he do? He gave thanks. He took the little bit and he raised it up to heaven. Yeah. That means that earthly value was no more. That was now heavenly bread. He gave up and said, thank you, Father. When he gave with love and gratitude, it began to multiply. So when you give, not just, just you give back, when you give cheerfully, I've experienced this myself so many times. I've given, and do we get back? Sure. But when I, like, hilariously give, when I'm just so excited, I can't wait to give, not only do I have the motions of love and that wonder in me, but I... Listen, I'm telling you, it comes back even more, even more, even more every single time. It like it multiplies it just from your motives being pure. You can have impure motives and he'll still bring it back. But when you have love, it's like a double blessing of abundance. I was actually thinking about the exact same thing because it says I would gain nothing of value. It doesn't say that I wouldn't have gained. Wow. Come on. Wow. So because the the principle of reaping and sowing is always. You could be... You could live in wickedness and sow and you're going to reap. That's just a principle, right? But it said here that if it's the pure mode of, of love, I would gain nothing of value. So when it's given with the, the motive of love, you gain things of value, things that have eternity attached to it. You gain proper relationships. You gain things that will actually satisfy for eternity and not just in a moment. Okay, um, next, the next scripture, Matthew 6. Am I in the right spot? Yeah. Take heed that you do not, sorry, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory for men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. So uh, Prophet Mike had written this out, and he wrote that as no manipulation was that scripture. You don't give to be seen. You give knowing that what's under that iceberg will eventually be seen, right? And when I, when I was... Uh, Studying for this, the story of the Shunammite woman in 2 Kings came to me. She was the one who wanted to honor the prophet Elisha. She saw what was on his life. So she tells her husband, we're going to build a place for him that anytime he comes through town, he has a place to lay his head and rest. So she makes the upper room, the loft in her house so that he can rest. And she had zero 
attachment to her giving. She just saw what's on your life. I'm gonna honor it. I'm gonna sow. I'm gonna give into it, expecting nothing back rather than I just wanna bless the man of God, right? So in return then, without her expecting anything, Elisha prophesies over her because she was barren. You will have a son one year from now. And she even like, that's not why I did this. That's not why I did this. Please don't tell me these. And he's like, no, because you sowed into me, here's your prophetic word. You're gonna have a son year from, a year from now. She has the son. The son grows up. He's in the field. She has to send for Elisha because her son dies. And she knows I sowed into that and that became a well that I can now go right back to wow. and withdraw from that place of honor. And Elisha comes back and that son is raised from the dead. Yes. So a, a phrase that I was hearing in my mind earlier was, do you give or do, are you buying? Wow, that's, that's strong. She was giving into the life of Elisha. She wasn't buying his yep. gift. Yep. She was not buying that. I, I've been barren and I need a son, so I'm going to buy this man's gift so he'll prophesy to me. Mm. You know, and sometimes when there's, I've, I've seen this over the years at the Northgate. I'm just going to be honest. I've seen this where a man of God is coming in and you can almost see it in people's eyes. They have an offering prepared and it's almost like he's gonna give it to me. He's gonna prophesy to me. They're there almost like it's, it is a prostitution. Yes. The man yes. with the gift is coming. 100%. I have this given, so he's gonna give me something. Yep. That's buying of them, not giving. Yep. And so what that, what that does is it cancels out expectation and it puts you into a place of entitlement. Because she could expect, because there is the promise of reaping and sowing, correct? It is the principle. So yeah. you can expect, but when you buy of something, when you're, when you're pulling on them, you go into entitlement. But giving opens gates. Yep. yep. Giving yes. opens gates, because we enter his gates with thanks. Giving. Giving. So giving always opens gates. But if you are buying, that will become a closed gate to you. And how do you know if you're not buying and you're giving? It's the cheerful heart. That literally is your indicator. You know your thoughts. You know what's going on in your inner world when you sow that seed or you do that gesture for somebody. If there's something manipulative behind it, you're not going to get what you want that has the value behind it is what the scripture text says there. You're going to receive something. You're going to get something. You're going to get something but you're not going to get what you thought you wanted. Yep. You see what I'm saying? So that's why we have to get it. And all that comes from heart fractures. It's not more money. It's not give more money. You can still have more money and still be in poverty. It's your heart. This is all about beloved identity. This will and will always be about beloved. If love is not behind it, we are going to miss out on what could be. So that's why everything has to be drenched. The depth of who we are and the depth of the dream has to be in love and us in beloved identity. And Papa Jimmy just said everything I was going to say. Oh, but we'll liar. go ahead and hear You're a liar. I'm serious. I cast out a lying spirit on Jen right now. And then it, Shut up. Come on. So in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, this is the verse that we've all heard. God loves a cheerful giver. Um, let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving. Yes, all because come on. God loves, and this is the Passion Translation, 
that Mike mentioned earlier. God loves hilarious generosity. How awesome is that? And then I really liked it in the message translation. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. So that way there's not those strings attached in the manipulation. We're just delighted to be able to give. And how do we ensure that our heart posture remains cheerful? Well, it's what Papa Jimmy just said. (laughs) By making sure that we have whole hearts. That we aren't living out of the fractured heart. That we're living knowing that we are loved. That we are beloved. And I think sometimes we hold back on that hilarious generosity because we're not trusting him with our future. Like we, we can't see beyond today. We know he may have done so many things for us in the past, but today all the appliances broke in our house. So how can we hilariously give generously if we have to buy X, Y, and Z? Well, we go back to our history with God. We go back to our history with Abba because we've lost sight of what he's already provided for us. We've lost sight of the things that he's already done. And we don't believe in ourselves enough as beloved to know that he's going to do it for us again. And you actually mentioned something else I was going to talk about. We give because we're already blessed, not just because we know that a blessing is coming. We're already blessed. And when we're thankful for what he has done for us, it's easy to remain cheerful, to have that cheerful heart and to be a cheerful giver. And I kept thinking of of this cycle because whenever you think of a cheerful giver, you always think of um, Rick Pino. At least I do. A cheerful heart is good medicine. (laughs) So I have the cycle of cheer. So if a cheerful heart is good medicine, how do you keep that cheerful heart? We already talked about one way, but joy comes through giving. So if you aren't having a cheerful heart, you can give. Did you ever get a gift? I think of like Neeks or Hev. When they give you a gift, they're like so excited to give you this gift. Like (laughs) even Nika, she's so like, come on, come on. Open it. Like she cannot wait. That is her delighting in giving. So she has a cheerful heart to give. And then God is delighting in her or in us as we are delighting in giving. So not even just like we talked about, not just money, but our time, gifts, anything, whatever it is. We are in that cycle of cheer where it's constant. We need cheer, we give. We get cheer from giving. Um, That's it. I want to add to this because, man, he's so good to us. and we, We just forget. He said it the other day. We just forget. And you, you, you like, no, I know God's good. No, but I'm telling you, do you really know how good he is? Like, when we did baptism, was it a week or two ago? That was a real busy weekend for us. And I was, like, tired. And I was like, man, I got to get prepared. I got to set this up. I got to get whatever it is to go around. And, man, my lawn was looking like a jungle. And uh, we had to do something. I don't remember where we went. We came back, and my neighbor mowed my lawn. Like, I was, I was just like, Lord, I don't have time for this, but I'll do it. I'll have to, maybe I'll just do it Monday or something. I don't know. I, and I, don't, I wasn't complaining. I just said, man, that'd be nice. I, Lord, send, you know, send someone to mow my lawn or something. And or do something or, or whatever. I'm like, I just don't have time for it. Whatever, I'll just do it Monday. And literally, I come home and it's done. And I'm like praising the Lord in my driveway. I'm yelling at my neighbor. I knew, I knew it wasn't Warren this time. And Warren's done that, so thank you, Warren. But I knew it wasn't Warren because he didn't trim. And Warren just, he does, he does it. You know what I'm saying? And there were some marks, there were some marks in the, in the, in the dish. So I knew it was my neighbor, Russell. 
And he's an unbeliever, man, but he does, he'll go around and do stuff like that sometimes. So I yell over and I'm like, hey, did you do the lawn? He gives me a thumbs up. I'm like, I love you, man. And so the, God is so good to us sometimes. And this story is coming to mind when she's talking. Like literally just this reciprocal generosity of the Lord. How many of you have heard that house of song God I like to play sometimes? Man, I've had encountered Jesus with that and the Holy Ghost, that song, so much. I used to pray like 10 years ago. We first got married. And I've heard it way before when we were married. But we first got married. And I said, I want to worship with them. And I can't find any of the music. I don't know who they are. They're no-name people. And the Lord tells me, go to this KBA, this Kingdom Business Conference, the Morning Star. I don't have a business. Okay. So we go down there. I don't remember one stinking thing from anyone said there. I don't even know who spoke. I don't remember one person. All I know is she lost her job and someone gave her a word that you don't have to look one. God's going to send you one. And that happened like three weeks after we got back. And I'm up there and I'm like, holy crap. That's the house of God people right there. And I got to, I worshiped with them. He, he sent me there. I'm convinced. Nothing to learn about business. He was so good. And all the times he was literally answering prayer for me into this. Like her mom lives this, guys. Like there's a lot of things I could come and try to be critical that I don't like. But I'm telling you, like she, she, she like spends her tithes money in accident and will say, Lord, I got a tithe. You know how I do it? She opens up a drawer, there's 40 bucks. That would have been her tithe. Like all the time, she gets checks in the mail, literally. But she never questions how much she's loved. And so when she prays, I remember the one time she prayed for Trent, the entire room filled up. I thought it was going to blow. I almost wanted to run out. Me. Like, she prayed and started weeping over Trent when he was going through his, his medical crisis, and I almost went out of the room. I was like, holy, she's like, you're so good, and you love him so much. And it was just pouring out, man. I don't know. These stories are just, we so into prayers. Man, we so into this stuff. You know, how many times have we done stuff or go to other places, like with Marcus? We're, we're sowing into other people. We're there to support. And that and God doesn't forget any of that. Um. So what we're talking, there's there's a scripture that, man, because because there's manipulation and because there's a movement that kind of took advantage of people, people get reluctant in there, okay? And that's why we have to cover those things. But when you're pure and hard in this thing, you know, Psalms 103 says, bless the Lord, all my soul. But here's the very next line. Forget not his benefits. So when we talk about promises, we're not trying to pimp this out. We're not trying to tell you to have entitlement. Yes. Like, we're not seeking his hand, but his hand's coming with his face. His hand's coming. His face is right here. When I come in for a kiss, his hand wipes around. He might put a 20 in my pocket. You know what I'm saying? You know, did you ever have that crazy uncle that tried to buy your wagon when you were a kid or something? Just hand you a dollar bill? God's way better than that guy. I had an uncle that did that. And so... Why am I saying this? We're Hebrews 4 company, right? Hebrews 4 tells us, he warns us not to have unbelief. They didn't enter the promise. They didn't enter the realm of confident rest because of unbelief because they did not marry their faith to the word or the promise. And so when you see a promise in scripture, man, there's, there's so much. There's healing. We're going to cover these. But I, man, I'm telling you, and the Lord started speaking to me this. I prayed it into it Friday for those of you that had the blessing of Friday morning prayer because it's a blessing, right? So <laughs> what are you all laughing at? Some of you, if you would have came to pray, you would have heard this Friday, but since oh. you're not there, <laughs> I got to repeat this for the rest of you. So some people are like, yes, I was there. 
But man, there was a, he, he mentioned Ezra, and I'm not going to get too far in, in the weeds of this thing, but there was an assignment to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, and Ezra was the priest that accompanied uh, Zerubbabel, the one that was carrying the torch, right? And the enemies came against them. You know, this is connected to him. He'll rebuke the devourer of your seed, right? They had an assignment. They had a letter from King Cyrus. Well, King Cyrus died, to make a long story short, it goes to his grandson, right? And so they go through this, and the enemies of Israel start to surround him and said, you better stop. And they start writing letters to the king, being tattletales, going, you know what these Jews are doing? You know what these, they're being bad Jews. They're going to kill you. They're going to come against you. They're doing all this stuff, right? So they said, king, you need to do something about this. So the king orders them to stop, and their response was, oh, gracious king, if you would just check the king's records, you'll see that your grandfather Cyrus sent us, right? And then when the king checked the records, he goes, they have every right to be here. In fact, enemy, since you try to hinder what my grandfather tried to say, you have to supply wine, cattle, gold, silver, and give it to the Jews so they can do the job that my grandfather sent them. Some of you need to have what Brent said, have a little edge, have a little confident faith. Not, no, we're not trying to buy what we're expecting. We're not, we're, not giving, we're not trying to command God. We're not trying to buy God. We're not trying to tell him, you know, I've heard people like, you want a four-wheeler, so a four-wheeler. That's great. But, man, you, you didn't sow a four-wheeler and you got one. Praise God. But you know what? He sows massively in just about every other area I could think of. So, I, I, I didn't, you know what I mean? So, when you give... Don't forget his benefits. So when you start to struggle, listen, there's more out there than Jesus. Jesus is priority. But you know what? There's things in heavenly realm that we don't like to talk about that aren't aligned with heaven. And they come in like a bully and they're like, oh, you think you're doing good now? Let me check this out. There goes your dryer. There goes your fridge, right? They, they, there's, there's things out there. So when you have faith, we know in a... The movement and the word of faith movement, they said, remind God. You don't have to remind God anything. That's stupid. Yeah. You know, what you do is remind yourself, and you tell everything between you and heaven, yeah. listen up. Yeah. Check the record. What do you mean? Yeah. I gave. That means you ain't allowed to devour my seeds, sucker. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You ain't allowed to touch this. All my kids sick? Well, I give. And there's a promise in Psalm 40 that you'll get them up off the sickbed. Oh, my kids are poor? No, you said I'm the generous, the, the kids will be blessed. And some of you need to stand up and quit praying as orphans. Some of you need to stand up as seated sons and daughters. And you need to start saying and declaring the atmosphere. Because I'm telling you, your prayers are like snowplows. Your generosity are like snowplows. And you're sowing into your future. It says that right in the scripture. You're sowing and laying a foundation, not just in heaven, but for a solid future. So some of you that think it's silly to write the dollar and put your kid. No, don't quit doing that. Don't quit doing that. Put that because you're sowing. Levi and an entire generation under him called Levites, 400 years after Abraham received the tithe because he gave it. How much more were your sons and daughters as you put the couple dollars and the change, whatever, and you throw it in there? They're even sowing it to their future generations 400 years. In fact, when God spoke to Moses and revealed himself in a cleft rock, he said, I'll release the blessings for a thousand generations. Every time you give, there's an inheritance that goes for a thousand generations. Do you actually believe it? Because that's what the Bible says. So marry your faith to the word. Marry your faith to the promise. When we go over these promises, there's more in the Bible than what's on the sheet here, but you marry it. No, no, you're not doing it. Uh-uh. 
And, and then the things in the atmosphere that try to resist you, they're like, we don't want to mess with Big Daddy up there, so we're going to back off. You're reminding them, check the records. Go, go to heaven. Open my book up. Open my book up. Because I didn't skip a week in my tithe. <laughs> Woo, do you feel that? You need to pray as sons and not orphans. He said, oh, I won't leave you orphans. You're a son. You're a daughter. Pray like it. Pray like it. You don't buy, but you expect. We anticipate. Listen, I said it Sunday night. I've sowed tens of thousands of dollars for years. You know what? Never needed money back. Not because we're rich, just because whatever. You know what I'm saying? But when the time of adoption came, I'm like, 20 what? Huh? Come on. And then you guys were there for us. This man, this woman was there for us. So guess what happened? Now we have a blessing that he's going to help lead your grandkids into worship. And so we sowed, we sowed, and we weren't ever in a need of work. We, had to, we didn't know how to pay the rent or anything. We never got like that. But we're just sitting there and we're like, you know, I'm not going to, but in times where it got a little tight, uncomfortable, I'm not worrying about it. We had an $80,000 hospital bill. And we were praying, God, we're a tithe payer. And then I get worried again. God, we're a tithe payer. is all coming. We're worried again. And then literally the bill came in the mail. You've heard me tell this story. And I heard, I saw the bill on my at first, my stomach dropped, and then I literally heard the Father. It was the Father, not the Son, the Holy Ghost. I love them all. They're amazing. But I heard the Father belly laugh. <laughs> not creepy like that, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, inside of me, I heard him belly laugh. I opened up the bills, $80,000. She's like, what? And I'm like, listen, I, before, we, before I show you this, this is what I heard. She's like, oh, geez. Okay, I trust you here in God. I trust you here in God. Let's just pray. We prayed. That was it. Called the attorney. We get a letter in the mail. Like, this, this is canceled. It's no longer your responsibility. Gone. Gone. So marry your faith. Marry your faith to these promises. They're not just in there. They're spirit, they're life. They're in there for a reason. By these Great and precious promises, we partake of his divine nature. We partake of his divine nature. So don't sell yourself short. Um, just to add on to that, this could be because we're older and we've seen another generation through, through this. But Mike and Jen have my grandson because I'm borrowing him for a while until I have my own, right? We have a word to have grandchildren, but he's given us all kinds of grandchildren. I was out in my garage yesterday going through some old papers and found a picture of my dad in his um, army uniform, knelt down in front of an orphan in Japan. He spent his two years in Japan taking care of orphans at one blind orphans. He was, he gave money and, and um, shoes and took the kids to the zoo, took the kids to the zoo. We go to the zoo with Sam, but my dad giving in the Korean war, is a blessing for Jen and, and um, Mike. 
that I can share in today when I play with Sam. And I'm going to be good at playing with with grandchildren when I have my grandchildren. Because I'm preparing. I'm learning to play with my grandchildren now. And I'm trying to get healthy. And I'm trying to do those things. But the reaping and the sowing and then the legacy that we're all called to, that are promises, I'm seeing what my dad gave before he was married into orphans in Japan. And Pastor, you were in Japan, weren't you? He could have been right there. He could, I mean, it could have been in the same area now that sent you, yeah, sent you there. You know, it's just like, how does that all connect when we're woven together into this? And then we could, where did that $25,000 come that we put into that? From the dollar he gave for the shoes for that kid. Like, wow, that's just so good. It goes down to what I was saying. Your giving's a ripple effect. You don't know what land it's going to touch. You have no idea that generosity becomes a rock in a pond, how far it's going to go. But there is no ripple effect if we remain inconsistent. And we have to figure out what's crippling your withered hand. Is it because you don't have something? Matthew 6 told us, don't worry about a thing. For God shall supply, Matthew 6, 33, my God shall. If you seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all of his righteousness, everything else will be added to you. Quit allowing the enemy to think because you're not a millionaire right now. Quit letting him make you inconsistent and make you think you have a withered hand. Because there was a man that had a withered hand and all God told him to do was stretch forth. I heard Bill Johnson say this, Jesus, with the, when the multitude came to listen to him and he had the, the loaves and the fishes, he lifted up his not enough and thanked the Lord for it. And it became more than enough. So he was willing to lift up the not enough. I give you the not enough. And it became more than enough. We, we've covered so much. I, I literally just want to go straight to legacy. I want to go to Psalms 37. And then I want to go to Colossians but I really feel something on, on the man with the withered hand. I believe what they sit in today financially is because of her mom and dad and his mom and dad. Don't get duped into what you have today because what you have today will be multiplied in your children tomorrow. Stop letting the enemy think that you're crippled. Because the kingdom is at hand. So man with a withered hand, stretch it out. What, this one? This weak area? This one? This one? This one? Yeah, I need you to, I need you to open that one. Because where you're weak, I'm actually going to make you strong. Yeah. <sighs> Psalms 37, 26. I was once inexperienced. 
I was once inexperienced. I was once poor. I was once in poverty. I was once broke. But now I'm old. Now I'm mature. That's what I wish it said. But now I'm mature. Not once have I found a lover of God forsaken by him. I was once inexperienced. I was once poor. I, was, I had lack. But now I'm mature. And not once have I found a lover of God forsaken by him. Nor have any of their children gone hungry. Instead, I found the godly ones to be the generous ones who give freely to others. Their children are blessed and they also become a blessing. I was once inexperienced. I was once immature. I was once broke. I was once, my family name had no value. But I'm mature now. And I have found the love of Abba. And Abba's love has shown me that those that love him are never forsaken. Nor have any of their children. That's why God has connected us to men of God who their children serve the Lord and their children's children are serving the Lord. I am blessed. I would not rather be connected to anybody else. I have found the godly ones to be the generous ones who freely give to others and their children are blessed and becoming a blessing. Ed, will you hand me this Colossians? writing. Mikey, I want you to put this up there and we're going to speak this over our lives. Colossians 2, 2 through 3. I want you to repeat after me. I am contending, I am contending for, you, for you that your hearts, that your hearts will, be in will be wrapped in comfort of heaven, of heaven and, woven and woven together into love's fabric. This will give you access access to all the riches of God God. as you experience the revelation revelation of God's great mystery mystery. in Christ. Christ. For our spiritual wealth wealth is in Him him. like hidden treasures treasures. waiting to be discovered. Heaven's wisdom and endless riches of revelation knowledge. You have full access to that. So let me go back to this. Not once have I ever found a lover of God forsaken, nor have any of their children gone hungry. In this room, every single one of us, have had moments where we have a withered hand and we cling tight. Have you ever seen a man that has that withered hand? From whether it be a stroke, whether it be arthritis, and they've lost full function. Sometimes we feel like we can't function in generosity because of something that has paralyzed us and made us cling tightly to what will open heaven's gate for us because the kingdom is at hand. And Jesus was not interested in what led up to the withered hand. 
Jesus was interested in one thing, that man's future. Thank you for listening to this message from the North Beat. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage. 